official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm gonna suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Hello. Hello, hello. And welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live. I'm gonna sing this whole show. This is a brand new episode if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, August 14th in 2021 at dnrstudios.com, La Solamente Place, that you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen anywhere else, please leave us your ratings and reviews. We recently got two new reviews in a short period of time, and I was thrilled. So leave those ratings and reviews on whichever free audio platform you use. Email me anything you want at adam at adamsank.com. Like that Facebook page. Download the comedy albums. Get your ass merch, including your Demon Twink merch at adamsank.com. And remember, you can call us anytime you want, even when we're not on the air. Leave us that voicemail. It's 804-TALK-ASS. I love when I get an email telling me that I have a studio voicemail. It's always fun. Um, Our guest today is an ass favorite. This is either his third or fourth time on the show. It is always a pleasure. He is the one and only Drew Drogi. actor, writer, YouTube personality. He's starring in a brand new movie called The Extinction of Fireflies, uh, which has its L.A. premiere at Outfest tonight. And by tonight, I mean Saturday, August 14th. So we'll be talking to Drew a little later. But first, it's time to welcome back everyone's favorite pig, the uh, one and only bagel-eating, non-showering, fuck-machine-enjoying Ryan Frostig. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. I'm doing something with the board right now, so I can't put it's that ball. Me. <laughs> yeah. providing Sometimes the, the audience, audience is too much anyway, effect. honestly. The they audience need to come down. I know. They they just they just love us so much. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing very well. I am not showered. I did eat a bagel. I am a pig. What else? All those things are true. All those things are true. Well, it's lovely to have you with us. It's lovely as, to be here. As it is uh, wonderful to have the queen of fuckery. J.B. Bursey is here. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we not going to have the board for the whole show? No, just like until I sub Drew stuff. And then <laughs> just whatever. tell me what you want, and I'll be your human soundboard. I can I can do oh, my board. Do yeah, oh, yeah. The iPad works. The, yeah, the applause. All right. So welcome way, to Ryan and JB. When you sang, it reminded me that like there was this one time where you randomly were like, you're going to read the intro. And I thought that was a really good idea at the time, but I was so nervous. So one of these days, I'm going to I'm gonna do it I'll let again. you read it again. It's a real talent to read copy. Yeah, you do it. And I have well. it. Thank you. You're so talented. So I want to um, start the show with a little bit of discussion of the F word. Okay. And I don't mean floozy. <laughs> uh, now, I, when I am with my gay friends... Mm-hmm. I will sometimes say, like, oh, my God, that guy is such a faggot. Yeah. Um, Or some alternative of that. Yes. How do you both feel about using this this word among other gay men? I feel great about it. I use it all the time. You had a whole show. I wrote a show called Defying Faggotry and got some pushback. Yes. Tell us about that. There was an elderly gentleman... Uh, a member Who of shall boomer, remain nameless. A, a boomer, big, big, <laughs> big boomer, boomer energy, big boomer energy, um, who uh, wrote to me via email to express some concerns about the choice word in my cabaret title, which was defying faggotry, which was a play on defying gravity and um, was was really hoping that I would change the title because it offended him deeply. Because for him, that word is, uh, we, we aren't allowed to reclaim the word. It's, it's a painful word. And, um, and, I, and it was like, I hear why people are sensitive to hearing that word used so casually. But like, it's, it's a word that we as gay people 
we have the choice whether or not we want to use it or not, and I choose to reclaim it and use it. And also, faggotry isn't a word. <clears throat> That's not even a real word. It's, it's not, not like a real word. Straight people never say like, "Wow, you're showing a lot of faggotry right now." Yeah. That's something you created. Yes. Or um, you're not I mean, the only one to sure. think of it. But like, right. it's it's a play on defying gravity. Yes. It's hilarious. I mean. I know what I I know that what I did was not wrong. Like I know using that word was not wrong. But and I, you kept that title. I did. But I did also he ever come to the show. No, but I did offer him a comp. Oh, yeah, because I am the bigger person. Shade. But what do you think about this? I'm with you. I think it's up to us whether we want to use it, how we want to use it. I understand that it's a loaded term. Mm -hmm. That it is the last word countless gay men have heard before their murder. Yeah. And that's what makes it so powerful in the same way the N-word is so powerful. Um, but, you know, people of color choose to use the N-word. Some of them do among themselves in, in a way to reclaim it and, and take its power away. Um, and uh, and I kind of feel the same way. I also just think context is everything. Exactly. Um, and if you're not a faggot, don't say faggot. Definitely not. Like number one rule. Unless you're inside me at the time. Right. And then you can use it all you want. Well... The reason I'm bringing this up is because Matt Damon oh boy. caught a lot of flack a couple weeks ago when he voluntarily informed us that he only recently decided to stop using that word after his daughter told him not to. Oh, this was an interview published by the Sunday Times. I think that's a, a UK newspaper mm -hmm. in which Damon recounted a conversation with his daughter during which he, quote, made a joke that moved her to write him an essay on the historical harm of what she calls the F-slur for a homosexual. Damon says she went to her room and wrote a very long, beautiful treatise on how that word is dangerous. I said, I retire the F-slur. I understood. Uh, the statement was obtained by Veri uh, uh, sorry, in a statement... Uh, obtained later by Veri so okay so that came out there was tremendous backlash everyone was like uh it's 2021 and you just decided to stop using that word matt damon yeah and it was like <clears throat> kind of shocking because we expect this maybe from like mel gibson mm -hmm. someone who's like known to be an asshole i wouldn't have expected this from matt damon who always seems like just a good guy and sure perfectly aware of things but um anyway he tried to do damage control, and in a statement obtained by Variety, he said he clarified that he had never actually called anyone the F word in his personal life, and he understood why his framing in the interview led many to assume the worst. Um, go ahead. Two um, things. First thing, Matt Damon's daughter is awesome. Mm -hmm. She's going to run uh, the HRC <laughs> real soon. Look out for that. Second thing... It, Matt Damon, why, why did this come up? Why he's done enough press? He's been in Hollywood for decades. How did this thing get said? I, I just feel like it's such a rookie mistake. Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand why this needed to be discussed at all. It reminds me of didn't Liam Neeson come <clears throat> forward a few years ago and and tell a story about like either calling someone the N-word or beating someone up. Or, um, I, I can't remember, but it, 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 like that. It's just like... Unnecessary Why are you volunteering this information? Right. Um, and especially because like... Well, well, it's... Oh, here, here it is. <clears throat> Liam Neeson, this is from 2019. Liam Neeson in Racism Storm after admitting he wanted to kill a black man. Which happened, oh which happened after someone close to him was raped by a black man. This was a story. He was telling a story that had happened many years ago. But, like, that's Why? not something we need to know. It's just also, like, from a PR perspective. It's just stupid. Well, because he's, he's doing um, press for that new movie, which is, like, I'm, I'm sure he's trying to get, like, an Oscar nom. You know, it, the movie got bad reviews, by the way. Oh, it did? Yeah. Well... Many on social media were unimpressed by Damon's story, saying he should have known better for years, not months ago. Uh, as Ryan and I were just saying, some wondered why Damon shared the story in the first place. Charlotte Clymer, a good friend of ours, has been on the show twice, said on Twitter that although she understood the sentiment of the story, 
quote, this is like 10 plus years ago kind of stuff, and he knows better. It turns out, though, this is not the first time Matt Damon has courted controversy with his comments about LGBTQ people. In 2015, he told The Guardian that in acting, it was key that people shouldn't know anything about your sexuality because that's one of the mysteries that you should be able to play, adding that he imagined it must be really hard for gay actors to be public about their sexuality. On Ellen's show, he said, actors are more effective when they're a mystery. I don't think that's so offensive. I, I, I mean, it's the kind of thing a straight person says because straight people don't understand that they tell us about their sexuality anytime they mention their wife. Anytime Matt Damon says, well, my wife said this, he's telling us about his sexuality. Yeah. In the same way that Neil Patrick Harris is when he talks about his husband. Right. So there is that double standard. But I don't, I don't think... I, I don't take offense at that. I think that's just sort of um, uh, not really thinking it through. But this was a this was a self-inflicted wound mm-hmm. that he did not need. I agree. I agree. And now it makes gay people like feel shitty about him. Yeah. In happier news, Jamie Lee Curtis has announced that uh, her younger child is a trans woman. Wow. And that she, Jamie Lee Curtis, will officiate. At her daughter's wedding. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, by the way, her daughter gave her permission for this announcement. It wasn't like Jamie Lee just said, like, I'm going to come out my daughter. Yeah. Um, she gave an interview with AARP Magazine, which is my favorite magazine, uh, saying that she and her husband, Christopher Guest, who I did not know she was married to. Did you know that? What? Christopher Guest from all the, those yeah. mockumentary movies, like Waiting for Guffman. and Yes. Jamie Lee Curtis is married to him? Yes. Oh, my God. That's going to change my whole day. I know. Wow. Um, Wait, am I thinking of the same person? (laughs) If that's not true, I'm going to be so mad at you. No, she is married to Christopher Guest. Let me make sure I'm thinking of the right person, though. Here at the Adam Sank Show. We fact check in real time. (laughs) You know, I always thought she was a lesbian. A lot of people think that. Wasn't there a rumor? Yes, Christopher Guest from Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show. He's made all those great movies. They are married. Wasn't there a rumor going around a while ago that she was a hermaphrodite? We don't say hermaphrodite anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. That's intersex. That's a terrible word. I'm so sorry. I cannot believe I said that. uh, You should apologize. It has long been reported that she is what's known as an XY woman, Mm -hmm. which is someone who is born with external female sex characteristics, but actually is XY chromosome like a man. That has never been proven or confirmed. Mm. Well, no, I just thought, because like, she was such a boss and powerful woman, and she made everyone wet, from the guys and the girls. That is yeah. true. Yeah, so I just thought she was taking advantage of it all. I was like, yes, bitch, this is your world. We're just living in it. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis, if you're listening. If you're listening. Hey, I'm sorry. But... You make me wet, girl. Like, come on. And to the intersex community. Well, Ruby Curtis is one of two children adopted by Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest, um, who is best known for playing lead guitarist Nigel Tufnell in This Is Spinal Tap, but he's been in many other movies, as we just said. They struggled with infertility. They also have a 34-year-old daughter named Annie. Um, She revealed in the interview that Ruby, who works as a computer gaming editor, is planning to get married next year at a wedding that I, Jamie Lee, will officiate. She offered no further details about the upcoming nuptials. Um, so this is fabulous news. Fabulous. It's always great to have a, a celebrity parent who's an ally and a wedding officiant. Uh, Ryan is like <laughs> devastated now that he just said that on the air. Well, I – okay. I thought that – like I, I I was confused and I for some reason thought that was the met, like the actual term and then I forgot that that's what, inter- many years. that's what intersex is and then yeah. I was like, wait, fuck. It's an honest mistake. We accept your apology. Just like It Matt wasn't Damon. the worst thing that's been said on this no. podcast. Just, just like Matt Damon, you're a work in progress. Ryan. Yes. I think I win the award for worst thing said on this podcast. <laughs> that is so true. I would, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. That's some politically incorrect shit. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure if, we've got, if we go back, I'm sure I've said some other stuff. But speaking of family weddings, it turns out that Anita Bryant has a lesbian granddaughter because, of course, she does. And the granddaughter is getting married, and she's not sure she wants Grandma Anita at her wedding. It occurred to me as I was uh, reading the story that some of our listeners may not even know who Anita Bryant is. Oh. 
and you should. Yeah. Because she's a really important villain in LGBTQ history. Anita Bryant was a former Miss American, uh, Miss American contestant and a p- terrible pop singer who was most famous before she became an outspoken anti-gay bitch. She was a spokesperson for, the, for Florida orange growers. When I was growing up, there were all these commercials for orange juice with Anita Bryant like holding a glass of orange juice. Um, but in 1977, Miami-Dade County in Florida adopted an ordinance that banned discrimination against gay people in employment and housing. Uh, it was one of the first municipalities in the country to do so. And Bryant uh, became an outspoken critic against the ordinance and uh, successfully led a campaign to have it revoked. She became a darling of conservative Christians and an enemy to gay people. Um, By the way, that ordinance was eventually restored in 1998 and gender identity was added to the protections in 2014. But Anita Anita Bryant really made it her her life's work to oppose civil rights for LGBTQ people. She went all over the country and she really, in some ways, she created that political issue and made it part of the religious right. The religious right was never involved in politics until the 70s. That's when they really became politicized and militarized. And they were led by people like Bryant. She was um, one of the greatest videos you can watch online is her speaking out against gay people and a gay Game guy pie. coming up and throwing a pie in her face. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Well, because God has a sense of humor, uh, Anita Bryant has a lesbian granddaughter, and her name is Sarah Green. She talked about her relationship with her grandmother on a recent episode of the podcast One Year. Um, She said she had no intention of coming out to, to her grandmother, but she was spurred to do so on her 21st birthday. Bryant sang happy birthday to her granddaughter on the phone and told her that if she had faith, the right man would come along. Green says, and I just snapped, and I was like, I hope that he doesn't come along because I'm gay, and I don't want a man to come along. Period. Period. Shade. Bryant responded by telling Green that homosexuality is a delusion invented by the devil and that her granddaughter should focus on loving God because that would make her realize she's straight. The the fascinating thing to me about Anita Bryant is that she's never come around. She's still exactly the same in 20 – even after she lost everything. She lost her entire career. Yeah. She is like persona non grata. The orange juice people got rid of her. She lost all of her singing gigs. She's like a nobody now, and she still clings to this. So sad. So now it's years later, and Green is planning her wedding and debating whether to invite her. I would have no debate. Yeah. I would be like, I don't want that fucking cunt at my wedding. Shut up, cunt. (laughs) Shut up, cunt. I think probably I will eventually just call her and ask her if if she even wants an invitation, Green said, because I genuinely, genuinely do not know how she would respond. I don't know if she would be offended if I didn't invite her. Um, Anita Bryant knows that Sarah is engaged to a woman, said Sarah's father, who's Bryant's son. I guess he was on the podcast, too. When he told his mother, he said that she said, uh, oh, he said, all at once, Anita's eyes widened, her smile opened, and she came out with the oddest sound. Oh. Instead of taking Sarah as she is, my mom has chosen to pray that Sarah will eventually conform to my mother's idea of what God wants Sarah to be. I have to say, thank God that even her son realizes what a fucking monster his mother is and that he's supporting his daughter. He's gay, too. (laughs) Maybe. We don't know that. The granddaughter says um, she doesn't hate her grandmother, but she feels sorry for her. She says, I just kind of feel bad for her, and I think as much as she hopes that I will figure things out and come back to God, I kind of hope that she'll figure things out. Hmm. Uh, Slate, which runs the podcast, sought an interview with Bryant, but she declined. A variety of people involved in the fight over the ordinance were interviewed on that episode, including Bob Kunst. Hmm. Shut up, Kunst! Kunst, a Miami gay activist who thinks that the modern LGBTQ rights movement is ungrateful to him 
and who eventually became a supporter of Donald Trump. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Yikes. That's a twist. So the guy who fought against Anita Bryant in the 70s is now a Trump supporter. Well, fuck him, too. Fuck them all. Speaking of fucking, Mm. OnlyFans has come out with very strict rules for its content creators. Take note, Ryan. (laughs) They might not allow the video of you with the fuck machine. I know. That's okay. (laughs) It'll be saved for the vault. Earlier this year, OnlyFans um, introduced new rules. We talked about this at the time, which uh, stated that users could no longer post content filmed in public without written consent from the landowner. They also added a ban on fisting, which I still don't understand. That's what? Now, adult entertainer Dan Saxon, who's based in Melbourne, Australia, uh, says that performers and models have been told they must now provide a photo of their collaborators holding up their official ID in one hand and a form that confirms their name, age, and address in the other. They have to, like, have both hands holding things. They have to juggle, it's basically. Uh, creators, uh, hmm. creators will know that unless they have substantial followings, it can already be difficult to find men to collaborate with, which is why many of the participants have their faces blurred, but now they have to convince men to send a photo of themselves holding their ID or a passport with all their personal details on it. I mean, this does make it, it – listen. It sounds like a nightmare. If you're going to make an OnlyFans video, yeah, you know that, like, there's a chance that, like, your mom – Sure. Your, yeah. gra- your grandmother, Anita Somebody's Bryant. See it. Someone <laughs> might see it. Your job. But, but at least you're not being doxxed. Now you have to be like, I am Adam Sank. I live at this address. And I'm about to take this big-ass dick up my ass. <laughs> Uh, I understand what they're doing. They're trying to ensure that all of their performers, that all the performers they feature are of, of age, age and consenting. Yeah. Um, because they do, there are those videos where it's like a hidden camera. Yeah. And someone can sue. Yeah. But I just think this is going to make it much harder to, um, to, to make these videos. This performer, Dan Saxon, said he had his Twitter recently deleted because he was using a photo of his butt in the account header. I see tons of Twitter profiles with, like, butts and dicks as, yeah. the, as their uh, profile pic. He claims there are different rules for everyone, adding that his friend Ali Kalev, who posts similar content, including outdoors and fisting, had all of his content removed by OnlyFans and then added it again. Um, it's believed that OnlyFans, OnlyFans only started clamping down on rules following Bella Thorne's foray into the platform, where she told fans she'd be posting nudes making roughly $3 million in two days, and then posted a photo of her naked but not revealing any of the parts people were subscribing to see. Did you know that? I did hear about that, yeah. What a fucking swindler. Scam. Um, The platform then received a record number of refund requests. Well. Well. We knew the party had to end sometime. I mean. Because it has been like the Wild West so far. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because... Usually, especially, I mean, like, queer and, you know, gay and trans people are will be the most affected by these kind of things. On, on OnlyFans, on Instagram, on any sort of, like, platform, you know, it's, like, the gays are always going to be targeted. And, like, it's, um, it's I shitty. mean, presumably the same rules are being applied to straight people, but fisting is much bigger in the gay community. Exactly. I just don't see why fisting would be banned. Fisting is art. I'm not into fisting at all. I don't want to see it. I don't want to do it. But if someone consents to be fisted, yeah. what's the problem? As long as they're of age. Yeah. Ryan feels personally attacked. I feel very attacked. In a related story, Ryan, the United Kingdom is considering banning unsolicited dick pics. What? I am furious about this. Mm. Um, pending new legislation... The only hot date that a dick pic will get you is one in court, according to Cocktails and Cock Talk. A legal review agency under Parliament called the Law Commission has suggested that unsolicited nude po- photographs sent electronically, which is what they've turned what they've termed cyber flashing, should be made punishable by law. That is, well, I mean, look, like. We, 
not everyone is like us. Like if we receive unsolicited dick pics, it's like, oh wow, what a, this is the great addition to the day like it's it's very exciting it's just a monday for us yeah exactly it's like oh this is fun let's look at this but i guess some people really don't like seeing dicks randomly appear on their screens did i ever tell you my mother's dick pic story <gasps> no <laughs> my mother went to visit my niece her granddaughter uh-huh. uh at her college she spent like a weekend there and uh my niece brought her to this like campus improv show oh my which God. my mom said was horrific i'm sure because most improv shows are pretty yeah. bad unless they're done by like really talented professionals yeah ucb and they did a sketch in which they said the word dick pic like a hundred times and so she's like so i went to see this improv show with molly and i learned what a dick pic was <sighs> and i was like how is that a word that you wouldn't know just automatically upon right, hearing right, it? right like it announces what it is it's why would you need she's like what is a dick pic what is a dick pic oh adam i mean really is this something you would do so uh the commission says cyber flashing can cause serious harm it is often experienced as a form of harassment involving coercive sexual intrusion by men into women's everyday lives they go further to clarify that their recommended classification of the offending indecent incident excuse me would say that the cyber flasher had either intentionally or negligently elicited alarm, distress, or humiliation on their victim. The report goes on to define many internet slang phrases, including the term dick pic. Quote, strictly speaking, this is a photograph that a person has taken of their penis. <laughs> the term more commonly relates to these photographs being sent to another or posted publicly. You know, I get, I get it. I mean, it isn't, it is different than having someone flash their dick at you in a public place, like a subway yeah. or something. But the effect can be the same. Sure. If you're, let's say, well, if see, if you're a coworker and they do it, then they could be fired for sexual harassment, regardless. Yeah. I think it really depends on the situation. Like, let's say you meet a girl. You go on a date, you have a great time, you're chatting with her, things are getting sexy, and all of a sudden you send a dick pic, but you didn't ask permission. Yeah. Should you really be punished by law? That seems a little I extreme. Think so too. Listen, I'm only offended if it's spook dick. If that dick is spooky, then I'm offended. <laughs> what is spook dick? <laughs> Sometimes I see dicks and I'm like, huh? Like, I'm just a little spooked. <laughs> so a spook dick is when the dick spooks. I get that way when the dick's too pink. I'm just like, that's raw meat, yo. I'm not sucking no raw meat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like a pink dick. I love a pink dick, yeah. As long as it's not like fuchsia pink. It shouldn't look like a dog's dick. That's, that's, that's what I'm scary. talking about. And I don't want to shame anyone for, you know, a, a, a misformed penis. But, you know. That's when I would if I if I've received that out of the blue, that would be scary. penis appearance is very important. Yeah, but I also think uh, the art of taking a good dick pic is underrated. You really have to know yes how to flatter your personal dick mm-hmm. because a good dick can look terrible and a bad dick can look amazing depending on lighting angle. Uh, I need natural lighting for mine. You need in the sun. Uh, yeah, go outside. Uh, just like a window, just like a nice like you know. Well, a 2019 study found that 48% of heterosexual men have pictured their package in hopes of impressing a woman. The survey revealed that most men do not intend to cause harm or negative psychological outcomes, they, but, and yet they are motivated by sexist and misogynistic ideologies to believe that non-consenting women actually want to peep their penis. I'll tell you what. I've met people on Grindr who are like, do not send nudes. And I'm like, I don't, first of all, I don't understand why you're on this site. Right. To me, that's like going on Amazon and being like, do not try to sell me any merchandise. Yeah. I do not want to shop on this site. It's like you are going on a hookup app. This is not a dating app. There are dating apps that are not all about sex. This is not one of them. So if you're so deeply offended by people sending you naked pictures, then don't go on Grindr. But two... What gay guy doesn't want to see someone's dick or ass? Even yeah. if it's bad, I'm yeah. not offended that I'm they not sent offended. it to me. I'm just not. I'm, I'm gonna, just not into it. Yeah. 
I don't get it. Uh, and I and I think that is kind of a form of of like body negativity. Like it's just nudity. Yeah. Are you offended when you're watching an R-rated movie and suddenly there's a naked person? Does that offend you? What are you, a Mormon? <laughs> No offense to Mormons. Oh my God! <laughs> so this far, episode this show, is so problematic. If you're, keeping, if you're keeping score, we've offended intersex, intersex. people, uh, Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saint members. Who? who what is going on? Who's with you? next? People with spook not. dick. Yeah, you're very. I'm like, very good today. I have not said anything. You've been on your best offensive. behavior. Yeah, you've what? been on your best behavior, and we are just unraveling. The here. fuck? It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's great. We keep it fresh here on the Adam Sake Show. We really so do. There's something going on with the world. The world's reverse. <laughs> this is wrong. Opposite yeah, it. Well, this next story will make Romaine Patterson very happy, and I'm confident they've already done this story on Derek and Romaine. Um, a new study finds that Disney princess culture is not toxic. Yeah. For years now, Disney princesses have been scrutinized for promoting and reinforcing gender stereotypes. Um, you know, because the, the princess is always like this damsel in distress who needs rescuing by a prince. And she's often only defined in terms of the prince. Um, and yet, a new study from Brigham Young, speaking of Mormons, um, developmental psychologists in the study find that Disney princess, princesses can have positive impacts as well, including a positive body image and a rejection of traits associated with toxic masculinity. Um, the psychologists studied a group of kids from preschool through early adolescence. Uh, lead researcher Sarah Coyne, which is funny because that's the name of my childhood friend, but different person. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah Coyne surveyed children about their views on princess stories along with their views on men and women. She released the first study in 2016, which found a correlation between younger women, especially girls, leaning into gender stereotypes without necessarily picking up the admirable traits of the princesses. So that one backed up the idea that this was dangerous. Um, but the good news is she was interested in seeing if this effect would persist over time. So she continued to survey those 300 children into their adolescence and found positive results, which were published in the journal Child Development this week. The study found that participants who had a higher engagement with princess culture as toddlers um, had a more had more progressive attitudes about women as tweens and young teens. Quote, princess culture gives women key storylines where they're the protagonists. They're following their dreams, helping those around them, and becoming individuals who aren't prescribed a role because of their gender. She pointed out modern princesses like Mo Moana, is that how you say it? Moana, yeah. And, and Elsa, who represent a new wave of Disney princesses, uh, furthermore, she found that girls who were super into princesses as young children were more likely to view educational opportunities, relationships, and careers as being equally important for women and men. Princess culture has positive impacts on boys, too. Uh, coin studies suggest that Disney heroines um, help boys reject traits of toxic masculinity, masculinity like bottling up and hiding their emotions. Boys who are expressed to princess culture earlier in life tend to do a better job of expressing emotion. Rather than shutting down their feelings or feeling like they should fight someone who challenges them, they can express their emotions in nonviolent ways. That's true because the princes in those stories, the heroes, are not violent. Mm -mm. They, they tend to be, you know, they tend to want to solve their problems through peaceful means. So you know, good for Disney. But it's interesting because I always thought that the Disney princesses were actually pretty progressive. Like in modern, in modern Disney, films, but even not in the one traditionally. Well, but even in the like, I mean, Pocahontas was very like, uh, maybe not like. Think about Cinderella. Okay, well, her life was shit until she meets the handsome Cinderella. Rich yes, but but I'm I'm also I'm talking about like, I think in the '90s it started to change a little bit. I think like Belle and Ariel, like that generation. Absolutely. I think I think they were I think they were they were more they were um like wiser and just like really empowered and like yeah right, but we're gonna have to leave it there okay. and do our pride update very quickly hit it jb today and tomorrow is alki beach pride in west seattle this is a celebration of native cultures of that area as well as lgbtq people today is also pride in eugene oregon tomorrow in austin texas 
August 21st and 22nd down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's it. Happy Safe Pride to everyone celebrating. Isn't it weird how some weeks all the Pride celebrations are in Europe and some weeks they're all in the United States? Yeah, I, I like the, the switch off. This seems to be a good week for the West and the South. So happy Pride, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Suck a lot of dicks. And I'm proud of our guest today. He is an ass favorite, a star of stage, screen, and YouTube. And he's currently starring in a movie called The Extinction of Fireflies, along with Michael Yuri. The film has its L.A. premiere tonight at Outfest. Here's a taste. Uh, wait. I, I don't know. What? The, he's not here. You don't have him? No. Do you have the clip? I do have the clip, but he's not here. Okay. I will text him. You play the clip. Okay. Uh, where's my mouse? And here we go. You ever hear a nightingale sing? Wait, nightingales exist? Uh, what? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I'm a city kid. <laughs> of course they do. I always thought they were magical fairy tale birds, what? like like <laughs> mermaids and dragons. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, how does a nightingale sing? Like it can't decide what song to sing. So it stays up all night and sings them all, like Judy at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Judy? Nobody. Just an old friend from a fairy tale. Is he there? Yeah. And joining us now all the way from Hollywood, please welcome Drew Drogi. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me, Drew? He says he's on. Yeah, I don't see any levels going out. Drew, say something. Can you hear us? Text me if you can hear what I'm saying right now. Hello. Hello. Drew. Hello. Hello. Ooh, now we hear you. Now I'm here. Ooh, turn that down, JB. You still there? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're having problems, though. Uh, okay, I think that's good. Drew, sorry okay. about that. How are you today, baby? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. I'm happy to have you on the show. Have you happy to be here. moved back to Los Angeles full time? Is that what I'm getting? From I this? have. Yeah, I'm back here full time as far as I know for the, you know, until the near future. I mean, maybe I'll come, I mean, you know, back to New York next year, but I'm here. What made you in leave LA. New York? Well, I was, you know, I never lived in New York. I mean, I was always like just staying there temporarily to do shows and stuff. So my, I was always permanently here in LA, but, um, he may not know that because I was in New York so much. Yeah, I thought you yeah. were like a permanent resident of Hell's Kitchen. No, no. I wish I could say I was that cool. I've never, I've never officially lived in New York City. Never had an address there. Well, that is our loss. <laughs> what is it no, like? What's it like out in LA now as we go through the Delta Burke COVID? Surge? Oh my God! It's so weird. It's awful. Like we thought we were, you know, opening up and having like hot girl slut summer and all the shit we had planned. And now it's just like, uh, what do we do everywhere we go? We're masking back up places are, you know, like everybody just wants to sit outside, you know, and feel, but then they're saying we can get Delta from outside contact. I don't know. Nobody knows what the rules are. Yeah. We're all just like, you know, and then we're, you know, everybody I hang out with is vaccinated. That goes without saying, but it's also like we're, people are still getting sick and then, we can still give it to kids and, you know, it's just, you know, so it's, it's a mess. It's such a Not weird time lie. because I feel like before we all knew what we were supposed to do and now nobody right. knows. Like I have to wear a mask now in my apartment building if I'm in any of the common areas. They want us to wear masks. And so I do that and then I go to the gym and nobody's wearing a mask. I know. So I'm like, I okay, know. I can infect people in my apartment building but not at the gym. I know, exactly. And it's just like every building makes its own rules. And so, you know, I mean, we just did in July, we did our Golden Girls show in the basement of a Mexican restaurant where, you know, there's no such thing as social distancing. We were in, in July and you had to show proof of vaccination and right. we thought we were safe. And to my knowledge, nobody got sick from the, that show. I mean, definitely none of the cast. I mean, we were and we were there for 10 hours underground screaming in wigs, sweating all over each other. No ventilation. Right, right. 
And so that was fine. And then it's like in the last week or two, so many people I know are getting it and they're not knowing how. So I'm just sort of like trying to avoid the monster. I have to go see my family in South Carolina next week. And I'm just like, and that's a low, that's a low vaccination state, right? That's a what? A low vaccination state. Yes, it is. I mean, everybody I'm going to be with is going to be vaccinated, but then you just, you know, you have to go through the airport and you have to go through, you know, all the, every little place you go, every grocery store, every, you know, everything. So it's so fucking annoying. I hate it. I hate all the people who wouldn't wear masks before now won't get vaccinated. It's like, we don't need to be going through this. This is preventable. I honestly, like, I mean, the anti-vaxxers are just crazy, but at least they have like a point of view. I, I have even less respect for people who are just passionless about it, who are just like, I'm fine. I'm just not going to get a vaccine because I feel okay. And those are the, that's the majority of people that aren't getting it. They're just like, I don't need it. Right. And they just it's like, I'll take a Tylenol if I have a headache. And it's like, well, this isn't, right. this is preventative, babe. It's going to be too late. And you're making everybody else sick. I know. Well, the other and thing, it's just, the other thing I'm freaking out about is Moderna just announced that their vaccine is effective for six months. Well, I got Moderna in March, so oh, my time's almost up, and right. nobody's contacted me about getting a third shot, which clearly I'm going to need. So I'm like, we need to, uh, you know, how about all of those assholes who refuse to get vaccinated? Give us their vaccines because I need uh, another one. I know, I know, I'm, this, I know, it's the same thing. It's just like we, and we need to get on that now it's so before it starts because you know it's going to start to get cool again. It's going to get, like, it's going to get even worse, and it's just, it's. It's, it's crazy because just like how long are we going to have to fight this monster where when we've been doing the right thing all along? I mean, there are definitely things I did that were risky, you know, but for the most part, I was like <laughs> doing the right thing. And then did you meet um, anyone on Grinder during the shutdown, Drew? <laughs> no, I did not. I definitely I, I um I what is it called? I, I took those apps off the phone so I wouldn't be tempted to do that. Oh, you're so responsible. I'm such a good person. No, but I did, you know, there were, you know. There were some dalliances. And you're like, well, I think we're both okay and they're good. I mean, but but also, you know, you can get it from anywhere, so the grocery store or anything. So it's just like everything you do is just like. A, so you, you might know, as well suck level. dick. May as well have fun. Get it a fun <laughs> way and not like from, you know, Ethel at Bonds. <laughs> well, speaking of the Golden Girls Live, which you mentioned, uh, I saw that you had done this with Jackie Beat. Sam, Sam Pancake and Sherry Vine. Um, yes. And I was surprised because I see you as a Dorothy. But oh my you God. played Rose. Yes. That was Jackie's idea. I mean, first of all, like, I get that a lot, which I totally take as a compliment because I love Dorothy. And in college, there were four of us in a house and we called ourselves the Golden Girls because we were so creative. Um, <laughs> but I was definitely the Dorothy of that house. And we, you know, we figured that out really quickly. But, you know, when you see Jackie Beat play Dorothy, you realize there's no one on earth, really including B. Arthur, that needs to play Dorothy at this point. Jackie's <laughs> nailing, just nailing B. Arthur and Dorothy at the same time in this beautiful way. And so it was always Jackie's idea to have me as Rose. And, you know, I, it works. Like, and I, I love getting to play the, the, the idiot. And also she's so innocent. And it's hard because... <laughs> she often doesn't get a lot of jokes. Like, she is the joke. So right. she kind of has to, right. go, you know, she's, go out there and talk the for five man. minutes and then somebody else gets the zinger. Um, but it's, it was like, it's such a fun challenge to, to play her and just to be like, you know, she's constantly like learning and teaching and uh, she's a child, you know, and it's like... Um, do you channel Betty White it, as you're doing it? Yeah, I kind of do this really weird acid trip, like Rorschach test, like... Betty White, like kind of what Betty White seems like now, how she's sort of like, she sort of learned what's Betty White about Betty White. And she's yeah. doing that. She's, you know, that sort of like, I'm adorable kind of a thing that she kind of does and kind of, you know, does that bevel out to the audience. <laughs> because if you watch the old Golden Girls, Betty White's so good. She plays it so straight that like she, you know, and I just, I'm in a drag show with a bunch of, you know, drag queens and I can't, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm too much of a pig. I want more laughs than that. Right. So, um, you know, we sort of found, cause like Sam, who is Sophia and I had to sort of find how to do those, those two characters, because I think 
Dorothy and Blanche are so identifiable. And, and, and Jackie and Sherry really nail, like, really good impressions of the two of them. Right. And then Sam and I are doing, like, weird finger paint, bizarro, like, funhouse mirror you know, versions of those, of those people. You know, when I watch that show now, and this is how I am with all things now, I have to deal with the fact that like, I'm their age now. Rue McClanahan was was younger than me when the Golden Girls (laughs) came out. And last night I watched uh, Ordinary People for the first time in years. Oh, oh, okay. You'd seen it before. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. You know how old Mary Tyler Moore was in that movie? How old? 43. No, she's she younger than me. I'm 44. Seven I'm... years younger than I am now. And Donald Sutherland oh, my God. was 44. What? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's also, I mean, you know, you do look back and then like, and like how men looked in like 1980 versus now. They were like, yeah, grizzled. 40 hardened. was an old man. An old man. But still, you, you, you can't believe... You know, but it makes sense when you look at the, the ages of their kids in that movie that they would be that old. Yeah. Man. I mean, she I looked know. fabulous. It's, Mary Tyler Moore was I, always gorgeous and had like a tiny little waist, but she looks like a, a middle-aged mom. And yeah. uh, I like to think that I don't you look do like not. a middle-aged mom. I can mom. tell you on good authority, you do not. <laughs> Drew, we played a clip from your new movie, The Extinction of Fireflies. Um, it yes. sounds really fun. Tell us about it. It was so much fun. It's uh, and it was it was a real challenge because it was a lot of drama for me to get to do. Um, it's uh, it's based on a play of the same title by James Walsh, who who um, also directed uh, the the film. It's a four character piece that we shot during COVID, so we were like quarantined in, in Rhode Island in this gorgeous house, mm. and we shot the whole thing in the director's house, and. Um, it's uh, loosely autobiographical. I mean, a lot of it is, is fiction, and he sort of mixed some of his own life. But I got to sort of I got to play the character named James, which is which is also his name. And we, you know, he made it really clear I wasn't playing him. But basically, I was sort of going through a, a chapter in his life years ago where um, he's this uh, you know frustrated writer, and he's written this play, and he's brought some actors to his house to read the play for him to workshop it. And the play's a mess. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, he has these really narcissist actors basically, like, you know, telling him that. And then he's also pretty selfish and, you know. Um, but one of the actresses brought his hot young boyfriend to the house. And uh, he sort of mixes everything up. And it's sort of like one of those, like, art imitating life things where what happened, what I'd written in the play happens to us, you know, as the characters in the piece. So it was super fun. I got to work with Michael Yuri again, who's, you know, just one of my favorite people to hang out with and work with. And, um, I feel like he's become like your, he's become like your official collaborator in. It's, I mean, I, I, we were laughing. We were like, are we going to be like doing the sunshine boys together when we're like in our seventies? Like, yes, I hope, I, I hope so. I mean, I love him so much. I mean, we're such, we've become such good friends and he's such a great, I mean, yeah, like we were like, um, he's directed me, produced me, you know, like everything like, and, and now we've never really gotten to do, I guess the first thing we ever met on was like one day on, an, on another movie, uh, God, maybe 15 years ago. But mm. this was like a thing where we really got to act together and, um, and we got to fight in the movie. It was really fun. And then um, very beautiful and incredibly talented Cario Marcel is in the show, is in the movie. And um, as is Tracy Bennett, who you may know. Did you see End of the Rainbow? Did you see the Judy Garland play? He, uh, I didn't see it, but I read incredible things about it. I am same. I'm so I'm so sad that I never got to see it. But she was Judy Garland in that, and so she everyone said she was um, plays my dear friend in the movie, and and she's fascinating and great. So what it was a, a it was cast. just a, it was a great experience to get to do, especially during quarantine when we were sitting on our couch and not working and not seeing people to get the call like come and spend a month in Rhode Island and just do this and film really... a movie in a beautiful house. Like what could be yes, better? It was, That's it awesome. was really a dream. So, t- so tonight it premieres at Outfest. When do you think the general public will be able to watch this movie? It's yeah, it's doing the festival stuff. Now we're hearing that it's like sometime this fall, it's going to be streaming somewhere somehow. That's, and I, that's, all I know. Um, <laughs> so I keep know. your eyes and ears open for the extinction of fireflies <laughs> starring Drew Drogi and Michael Yuri. Um, Drew, I thought of you the night before last because I had someone over 
who is more of an acquaintance than a friend, but he kind of asked if he could come over. He was on his way home from somewhere else in my neighborhood. Uh -huh. And I reluctantly said yes. And I realized as I was sitting there listening to him that he was one of the characters out of a Drew Drogi play. Oh my God. <laughs> because, oh, no. and, and I figured out this is the essence of your characters. Not all your characters, but a lot of them. He has no self-awareness. <laughs> yep. And all he does is talk about how terrible everyone else is. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, yes. I need to introduce this person to Drew yeah. just for like inspiration. <laughs> it was, I had to you throw know, him I, out. I could only tolerate it for an hour. I was like, okay, I'm going to bed now. It was nine o'clock. I was like, I, I'm tired. Goodbye. I'm so wiped out. It's exhausting I, yeah. to be around those people. Yes, it is. And I mean, to be honest, to be totally like to own up to it, I mean, it, that person can very easily be me when I'm at my worst. And sure. I think sort of keep that in check constantly. And I think it is why I write a lot of characters like that. It's out of my own guilty conscience of being like, don't be this person. Don't do that. Uh, Cause it's, to me, it's just, it's very easy to sort of slip into that sort of thing where, you know, you just kind of walk in and dump, you know, without any sort of regard to like what someone else's day has been like, right. there are like real problems in the world. I love characters that just complain about the most, minuscule details and just and just keep going and going and then completely shit talk um out of a place of like look i don't care i'll just say that i'll say it i don't care and you're like sort of like okay well, who are you and why and how is this furthering right anything um so i love that you know and i also love i also love to give my characters you know drugs and alcohol just because i think it helps them oh yes even and more he had both he had both going for him uh, oh, good, 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 good. And, and just kept smoking more and more of my weed until I finally said, you've had enough. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that's the other thing. How much is, weed? Uh, well, it was, like like, a, it was like a vape pen, and it was one of those ones uh -huh. where you take one hit. I take one hit off that. I'm done for the night. There's sure. no reason to take multiple hits off of a medical marijuana vape pen. No. Uh, but he just kept going until I took it away from him. Ew. It's also like uh, for me, and I, I love marijuana, and I am so glad it's so easily. I was had it delivered to my place last night. I love it, but I get a I get to a threshold, and I like can't get any higher really, right. especially when you're smoking it. Yeah, and also, P.S. It's mine. Get your own. Yeah, it's yours, and it's just wasteful, and it's expensive. Those vapes are not cheap, <laughs> so you're just wasting it. You're not. It's not like oh, I this experience is gonna be. And also, I, I don't know how to think. If I'm too high, it's horrible. Like, it's, it's, it's monstrous. Like, I only want to be just a little bit. So I don't, I don't get that. Like, All right. In the time me. remaining, Drew, it's time to play your favorite game and mine, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me yeah. No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. Drew Drogi, how old were you the first time you touched a penis that wasn't your own? Oh, uh, 18. Oh, that's so late. I know. It was really like, oh, no, that's so not true. No, 11. <laughs> 11. When you said touched a penis. Okay, that wasn't my own. Okay, yeah, 11. And who did the penis belong to? We were like, we, I had like one year in fifth grade, some like very like experimental guys. I mean, never did anything really sexual, but we did like touch and play in that kind of very, in a very like adolescent way. Nice. Know? I was so, six. Yeah. You were six. And the boy was eight. Wow. Inches. No, just kidding. Oh, yeah. Um, ding, was, ding. Eight years old. Uh, name <laughs> That's a horrifying. A six-year-old with eight inches. Come I on. <laughs> I wish. Uh, name a celebrity who always annoys you when you watch them interviewed. Oh, there's so many. Oh, my God. Um, oh, uh, I, I, Lady Gaga. I'm going to say it. Really? Yes. I'm over her. I find her so phony. Like, I, she's an incredible singer, but I do not like her. As I, I just, I look at her and I'm like, ugh. It's funny because I would have said Madonna. I'm sorry? I would have said Madonna. Well, that too. Yeah, but, absolutely. What were you yes, saying? Your friend showed you a clip of Gaga. You, and, I just interrupted you. Your friend showed you something? Oh, yeah, she was. And it was like when she was, it was right before her Oscar nomination. It's like when she had her Golden Globe. And someone's like, what would an Oscar nomination mean to you? And she does this weird, like, 40s. She's like, oh, darling, that's too much for me to consider. And she's doing this, like, weird, like, she's trying to do, like, Joan Crawford or something, and she can't even commit to it. 
And I was like, I don't believe you. She's, you know, she's phony. And yeah. I think she's a brilliant singer. I think she's insanely talented. I just don't like watching her as a human. I think a lot of really talented actors and singers are kind of douchebags in their personal totally. lives. They don't make good, good I think interviews. most actors, including myself, to talk about, even hearing myself earlier, I'm like, I, talking about acting is, is weird. It's like a hard thing to sort of talk no, about. No, but you always, like, you always sound like you're being authentic. You don't ever have well, like an you. artifice thank going you. on. That's why we love having you on the Adam Sank Show. Oh, fuck, please. All right, I'm going to give you an F, Mary kill. And uh, these okay. are gay actors. You have to choose one to fuck, one to marry, and one to kill. Your choices are Russell Tovey, Guillermo Diaz, and Tom Cruise. Okay. Actually, forget about uh, Tom Cruise. Zachary Quinto is the real third choice. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Okay. So that, that made it harder, I would say. Because, <laughs> like, who do I want to... Oh, now I can't figure out who I'd want to kill. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. Uh, I would... Um, I think I would... Oh, I guess I would, I would fuck Guillermo Diaz. Mm -hmm. I would marry Zach Quinto, Zach Quinto. And then I would, um, and I would have to kill Russell Tovey. That is the correct answer. Oh, good. Okay, great. Uh, I think you answered this a minute ago, but what is your favorite recreational drogi? Oh, yeah. Marijuana. Now, have you done the others? I have. I do enjoy. I, I I do enjoy cocaine on a on a on a on a hot night. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> never on a cold uh, night. The, the, no 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 no. Never on a cold night. That's trash. Um, but the, um, that's it though. I mean, and and booze. I I love I love booze. But I, the, the the other stuff I'm not crazy about anymore. My my absolute it. favorite is ecstasy. But it's a one. I used to be way into that. I used to love that. And I just have gotten over it. Like, I don't know. That's probably for the better. Yeah. Would you let Matt Damon fuck you if he promised not to call you a faggot? (laughs) He would have to call me a faggot. That's part of the fun. (laughs) That's what I say. (laughs) I say straight men are only allowed to use that word if they're fucking me while they use it. Thank you. No, you know, I have never had a thing for Matt Damon. I was saying that, like, days before the, the, that, the news broke about that. I was like, I've never been into him. He's never had a thing for me. So it was no problem, like, just letting him go. I was into him, like, Goodwill Hunting period. And mm. also, he is so fucking good in Talented Mr. Ripley. Like, I know. so good that I had, like, a talent crush on him after seeing that movie. Yeah. I was, but see, like, I was like Jude Law, and then in, in Good Will Hunting, I was like Ben Affleck. I was more into the other guys. I wouldn't this. kick either of them out of bed either. Well, yeah, no. But no. I've always had a thing for blondes, you know, because yeah, it's like the opposite of me. Um, name a song that makes you smile anytime you hear it. Oh, um, Love Roller Coaster by Ohio Players. I don't know that song. Can well, you, you totally sing? do. There was a remake that they did in the, like, for the Beavis and Butthead movie. Speaking of marijuana, one of my favorite stone memories of seeing that movie. It's a 70s disco song, and it's just literally just says roller coaster of love over and over and over again. And you know, it's one of the best hooks ever. It's a great song. That's funny because uh, one of my answers to that question is Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation. Like, that is a happy, happy song. Such a good song. Yes. Disco is so underrated. It's my, I love it. Uh, love what it. is your next uh, project? What can we look forward to after Extinction of Fireflies? I am, I'm writing, a, a, I'm, I say I'm writing. I have not put, you know, I have not really started, but I, I'm banging around in my head a new play um, involving um, gays at brunch in New York. So Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's my follow-up to the other two that I've been doing. So, Yeah. Uh, and it involves some murder. It's going to be really, I hope it's going to be, I don't know. Yeah. We're going to have to leave it there. Drew Drogi, you are our favorite. We adore you. How can people follow you on the interwebs? I am on Twitter at Drew Drogi, Instagram at Drew underscore Drogi. And that's D-R-O-E-G-E. We wish you the best of luck with the film and with everything else. And um, we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Adam. Always so much fun to talk. Bye, sweetie pie. Bye. Ryan and JB, please plug yourselves. You can follow me at Ryan Frosting on Instagram and Twitter. I love how JB always blasts the music as soon as you start talking. Yeah, he doesn't want me to get any uh, traction on my Well, accounts. no, because I keep forgetting to play it earlier, and I'm just like, fuck, I'm running out of time. Anyway, follow me at StockerAnarchy12 on Instagram. Follow me at Adam Sank everywhere and Adam Sank Official on TikTok. Uh, tune in next week for our 200th episode. Ah! 
with comedian Ryan Shores. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.